welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamie Jim and John. J- I'm Jamie. What? I'm Jamie. Uh, I'm just trying to say. Kiss it, kiss it. <laughs> and I'm Olivia. Via, 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 via. Did this just turn into echo over time? Yes. I, don't, right. I, I, I didn't really understand what you did in the first place. It was tongues. It. it was tongues for uh, um, heresy. Okay. All right. Well, hey. We are continuing the story of Joseph, and in our last episode, we talked a little bit about how Joseph has to get a little sort of assimilated into Egypt. I mean, he's now, he's a Hebrew. What? Did you just make a Borg reference? Like, he was assimilated? Is assimilated assimilated? not a real word, Casey? No, it is, but it was just... The way that you said that was he had to be. No, it's because you know me that you're like he must be talking about Star Trek because he can't be using a word as it actually should be used. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, well, I was using a word as it should actually be used. You know, if you had said it was a Star Trek reference, your wife would have been a lot more proud. It of was you. a Star Trek reference. <laughs> I love you, uh, Joseph is in Egypt and he's now like the vice president of Egypt is kind of what we we said he's second in command he's put in charge of everything uh but he's a prophet of Yahweh (laughs) he's he's one of God's people because prophets they hear from God they speak out what they're told and that's what Joseph has done he's he's people have told him his dreams he has heard the interpretation from God and spoke it out as the interpretation is um and therefore he is in a foreign land under foreign people under their foreign gods but he himself is a Yahweh follower who is God's voice to in the midst of, of pagans you know like people who are worshiping own you know and uh, his his very wife is the daughter of a priest of own you know, like that's not Yahweh. <laughs> that's that's some foreign Egyptian god, and uh, I think so. Would like just spitball in here. Yeah. Would this make Joseph like an undercover missionary? Maybe. I mean, I don't. You know, because like a lot of times when missionaries go into places that they're not typically allowed to, hmm. like they typically have some other secular job that allows them to be there, mm-hmm. and then they spread the gospel otherwise. Well, let's play this out a little bit, because at the moment, they don't necessarily have a gospel to spread, right? So they do, because the original promise to Joseph's great-great-great-great-grandpa was, I'm going to use you to bless all nations. Mm-hmm. So in some extent, he should know, if he's aware of that word, that like, all the nations are in God's view as to what he's going to do. Um, but is he thinking of like evangelizing to them in the sense that we would? Maybe not. Uh, but Well, if anything, though, being a good steward of their resources. That's what I was going to say at the same time. At the same time, he's got to know that God is using him to take care of this, this country, even though this isn't Yahweh's country, right? Because the mm-hmm. Egyptians are... They should be stuck in a famine. They should all be dying and starving and doing the crazy kinds of things in other parts of famines in the Bible where it seems like people are trying to eat their children and do all these other kind of crazy things because they don't know how else to live. 
Uh, that's where Egypt could be, but instead they're not because Yahweh spoke to a Pharaoh and Joseph. A Pharaoh, who is not even necessarily one of Yahweh's, you know, like this guy's under some other god. Yahweh breaks through. Joseph moves up the ranks, but all of Egypt is taken care of. In the way that Joseph is blessed, Joseph blesses others, which is what Abraham was told. So is there another principle we can take from this, kind of in the sense that that God can speak to those that don't believe yet mm-hmm. and even impact them, even though they don't yet believe? I think he does that all the time. Uh, can you guys think of any stories offhand? While you do, I'll tell the one of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Like Nebuchadnezzar takes all of Israel into captivity and Daniel is a very similar story where he has moved up the ladder. He is not just a prophet, but like he's accurate to amazing levels so many times that even though Nebuchadnezzar tries to kill him a few times here and there, Nebuchadnezzar's always like surprised in the end. He's like, I'm sorry, Daniel, I was crazy. I forgot how much of like a prophet you truly are. Like <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar is a Babylonian king under foreign gods, and yet God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar through his prophet that he put within the Babylonian empire. Does God have a lot of critique on the Babylonian empire? Absolutely, that's what Revelation's all about. But did God still, like, minister to them and, like, take care of them in some ways, even though they weren't his people? By the providence of having his people amongst them yes so yeah i mean the first one that comes to my mind as an idea is the conversion of paul Hmm. so like paul wasn't Hmm. he was actively technically against them and then he got converted yeah so that could be one of the more powerful ones but that's also paul so it's kind of an asterisk well paul is also chasing the same yahweh in both scenarios right so to some extent for paul it's like a Paul, dude, open your eyes. I am Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm trying to finish your theology because you didn't, you didn't put the pieces together. So it's not necessarily like leave your false gods behind. It's more like you're missing the full fruition of, of the prophetic words that, that I gave you long ago. I would maybe think of, and I, I don't fully know how this works out because you, you never know what's going on in the spiritual realm, to say the least, but I think of people in like uh, um, recovery groups who claim they're not willing to claim Jesus, but they are willing to claim a higher power, and then they do seem to establish the fruits of Jesus as they pursue healing and reconciliation and forgiveness and all these other things. Is it possible that though they don't know they're following Jesus in those moments, that actually they are? That God is already working in their hearts before? Or uh, lots of Muslims, um, they're pursuing Allah, and then along the way they have a dream of a man in white, and the Christians all around the world who are like, have you had that dream of the man in white? Come talk to me if you have. They're like, yeah, I have. Okay, well, that's Jesus. He's trying to, you know, why did God start speaking to them before they really knew who Jesus was? Perhaps in their pursuit of overlapping good qualities 
of who God is, God was like, I'm selecting you. Come chase Jesus. That's the fullness of who you should be after. It's me in flesh. Cornelius in Acts, he gives to the poor a lot. He's trying to follow God, but he's not a Jewish person. And then Peter goes to minister to him, and the Holy Spirit just hits Cornelius and his family with the Holy Spirit, and they start prophesying and speaking in tongues. So those are all examples of people pre-salvation where God has clearly already got his eye on them and already in the works with them. I mean, is that not the case for everyone? At some point, we don't save ourselves. We only get in because God chooses us and says, okay, I want you in my my kingdom. I want you to follow Jesus. Gives us the invitation, and then we come in post his opening that door for us. So, does Pharaoh go the whole distance, leave his false gods behind and follow Yahweh? Not that I'm aware of, but... Is his country saved by the providence of Yahweh through his prophet Joseph? Yeah, to a pretty hefty extreme, you know. Um, so that, that becomes important. Same thing with Daniel. Daniel's in exile. The only reason that Daniel is even, like, known by the king is because he was hot. No one's going to push back on that. <laughs> I'm just going to let you put that out there. That's... <laughs> After they kidnapped all of Israel and brought them into Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was like, go find some attractive Israelites and make them prophets. Like, go choose the best of the best. And so they go and they get, like, some good-looking guys and they make them... They make them study under the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans. Those are, like, the witchcraftian magicians. (laughs) And so here's Daniel... A Yahweh follower. Learning witchcraft. Well, I don't know that I would go that far. Okay. But he would have been forced to like learn some of this stuff. I would say what he was doing was like, whatever I'm forced to learn, like I'm still an Israelite and I'm subjected to God. So I'm gonna selectively like filter out some. Yeah, yeah. I'm I or I'm gonna know like what I'm taught, what's forbidden and what what is just like learning to hear. God speak, you know, and things like that. So, uh, he he would have had to he would have had to go through things that we never in our right minds in the church would, <laughs> you, know, you know, let people go through. Like, hey, I'm going to go study under. The, no, you're not. You know, but like, in God's providence, as Joseph is pursuing Yahweh instead of all these other things, and subjectively learning and filtering out whatever. God uses him in the midst of all that to become like a, a mega prophet. So, uh, um, and I, I do want to clarify, he was not a witchcraft type of occultist like all the Chaldeans were. Instead, he worked, he being forced into this role, subjected his role to God and God was able to use him to, to even get through to thick-headed Nebuchadnezzar. So, uh, anyways, why do I think this stuff is important? What would be some of the takeaways that you take away from, from this? You have any right off the top of your head? Just the scenario alone of like someone like Joseph and Daniel. It's the same kind of exact situation they're in. 
they're brought up as prophets and political leaders in a sense in places that are not their own. I think it shows us all the more reason why we need to go out into the world spreading God's word. Because you can see where even someone like Pharaoh is receiving in some sorts messages from God. Like, even if he's not necessarily ready to open himself up to God, without Jacob... I had to remember which one I was talking about for a second there. Sorry. Without Jacob coming along and, like, helping him out, he could have gotten a lot lost. Joseph. Did I just say Jacob? You said Jacob. I did say Jacob. I meant Sorry, Joseph. There's a lot of a lot of J names here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, think think of this too. Like uh, going off Olivia's point. Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have to prosper you declares the Lord plans to give you a hope in a future Everybody's favorite verse to quote. Okay back up like literally two verses For context as to what God's plan was. It wasn't just a vague. I've got plans for you The plans was look Israel you're gonna be taken into captivity by Babylon while you live there. I want you to um, basically kind of like bless or impact the welfare of Babylon in a positive way. And as you do that, you too are going to be blessed by like, as the city is blessed, you too will be blessed in that. For I know the plans I have for you. (laughs) You know, like then, oh, so that was the plan. So like for me, one of the things that I just launched this week that I'm still working on is jacksonfoodie.com is jxnfoodie.com which you can check out for yourself when it launches here in the next week or two like part of the reason in which I've started that though is off that kind of Jeremiah mindset is Jackson if you're not from here has a lot of great food me and Casey know we eat it all the time Livia eats wasabi and potatoes for I dinner. don't eat wasabi um, <laughs> I was eating curry Sorry. for the record Olivia eats green curry and potatoes for dinner uh, but Cur- curry is normally green. That's not I a weird it was yellow. thing. It is yellow, and it's red, and it's green. I thought it was red, yeah. None of us agree with you. The, what, You're making your there's curry There's different wrong. types of curry. <laughs> well, In anime, it's always red. And on the spice rack, it's always yellow. Anyways, um, my point was, in doing this, I know, like, hey... If I cause uh, some of the like indie restaurants around Jackson give them business because people, more of a tourist thing, they come into town, they're looking for good food to eat. Well, here's restaurants and the dishes that you should try at them. I'm encouraging my city. I'm coming alongside them. And what might happen out of that is like, hey, uh, eventually I'm talking to restaurants. Would you like to do a podcast? I want to hear your story. How'd you get into this? Why is Jamin doing all this? He's a pastor? What? What does that have to do with food? <laughs> you know, it's like... Oh, well, he just loves and he's trying to bless us and things like that. And maybe that might be a ministerial opportunity uh, that, like, I'm here for you, uh, even whether you're following Jesus or not. I'm trying to show a little bit of love. And there's been a few other organizations that I'm a part of as a pastor. And I hope that being a pastor will be, like, speaking into that. So, same thing with you guys. You work in, in uh, ministry in a store type form right both of you and you know what you're really doing is you're 
blessing people around the world through the power of work and a fair wage, pulling them out of stuff, uh, and and a lot commerce. of in commerce, and they they might people might just think you're a store, but when they see the heart behind it and they know what you're doing, they catch a glimpse of Jesus and they see, they see a glimpse of people trying to bless all nations and evangelize through the power of love, right? There's not, <laughs> there's no place in here where Joseph is like, listen up, I will tell you the gospel. You know, like he doesn't even quite have that yet. But he is blessing the nation and taking care of them because God loves all people, uh, even the ones who don't follow him. So, I think personally, this has a lot to say to American landscaping. Like, Casey immediately went to yard work. Right. Oh, landscaping, <laughs> as in like the outside American of your house? Political landscape. Oh, okay. I was like, what does green grass and neighbor envy have to do with any of this? <laughs> the white picket fence and your 2.5 children running around outside. And... and the people getting more decorations for Christmas. No, I need more decorations for Christmas. No, no, it's October. It's Halloween. Sorry, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, my point was more like, we always frame, and this is the way at least my generation grew up, not sure what Olivia's was, pretty sure this is the same for you. America for us was framed as like, this is a Christian nation, all these other nations have own or, or Allah or whatever, but we have Yahweh and we are Americans and therefore we follow Yahweh. And everyone up the political ladder is a Yahweh follower and blankety, blankety, blank. That's what I was more or less like kind of taught in a sense growing up. Whereas we really should be looking at our situation. We're Christians. We're the exiled ones. We don't belong here. We're from another place. We're from kingdom of heaven. And we live here and we're kind of like Joseph's and Daniel's. America is not a Christian nation. It does not consist of Christians all across the states. It does not consist of Christians all the way up the political ladder. You do not have Christians on every last place. That's, that's just not any nation that has ever existed throughout history. So, like for us, we should recognize like we're from somewhere else and we've been propelled into a kingdom. And just like Joseph's going to look around and be like, yeah, I don't agree with that worship of own. You know, I don't, I don't worship the sun God. I don't do this. I'm just like Daniel, like, mm, I'm not going to get involved in that. Pharaoh, sorry, you're going to have to burn me alive I'm, or throw me into a, a lion's den. I'm not going to worship your false gods. Okay, I'll do that. You know, like they understood that they were exiles in the places that they were. But at the same time, they blessed the places where they were. They, they had lines that helped them understand, like, they're not, in, they're not on holy ground in their minds. Like, they're not in sacred space. When they're with God, they're in sacred space. Right now, they're in the kingdom of the false gods. So they're behind enemy lines? Yeah. And they have to figure out, how do I follow Yahweh in this context? And we know, as Jesus followers, like, it's, it's even stronger for us. Like, yeah, we can live here, 
and we can impact people well, but we also have the gospel now. Like we have to also be evangelizing. So there are these moments where we're, you know, hey, I see you're worshiping own. I'd like to tell you about a better God and you can leave that one behind and come follow him. Because the gospel is literally the opening up to all the nations to leave their false gods behind and come follow the one true God. That's on the table in full now, right? It's always been on the table, even in the Old Testament, but like now it's like critically crucial to the point. So, I don't know. I think it's just good to reframe our American Christian political context in that way. Of course people are going to have rules that we disagree with. Of course the nation's going to want to live in a way that we wouldn't want to live. Of course they're going to do A, B, C, D, E. Like They are part of a different nation and they're following different gods. Jesus is not the king of America, just to be clear. That would be great, but he's not. But he is the king of us. So how do we follow him in the midst of that? How even would we be involved in something political like uh, Joseph or Daniel, but know like what lines are proper and which ones aren't? Those are questions to chew on, you know? John the Baptist, like, he died crossing those, well, I wouldn't say cross those lines, he just like... The lines took revenge on him. Yeah, well, when he goes up to, and sometimes you wonder, like, did he have to get into this debate? But, like, he goes up to Herod and he's like, you can't sleep with your, what was it, your brother's wife, I believe. Like, that's ungodly. And it's like, okay, they killed you. You know, like, he, he was crossing a political line that he felt needed to be crossed. And it was unpleasant and it got him killed. But he understood that, like, of course, Herod's not following Jesus. Herod's not following Yahweh. He's following the false gods. And that very well could get you killed when you speak prophetic truth into a situation. But then there's also times, like, is prophetic truth going to make sense in this case? Maybe, maybe not. Joseph and Daniel spoke prophetic truth. But their nations didn't convert. You know? So, I don't know. I think they just, they give us a lot of space to, like, think over our own context. Do you have any immediate thoughts based on any of that? And off the top of my head. I think a good takeaway is that it's important to bless those even when you disagree with them. Hmm. And to recognize, I think, that everything's not going to go the Christendom way that you want that you have to figure out through the leading of the Holy Spirit when you speak out and when you don't and what is crucial and what is living in a fallen world I had a thought but it's kind of long go ahead I don't know if it'll work but anyone anyway. doesn't want to hear it already stop this video so. oh, okay well <laughs> The way that I'm, I, I just came into my head was just the idea of like how when we grew up, you were talking about how we thought we were in a Christian nation and that type of stuff, and how it seemed like our morals and values were legislated, mm. and whereas in now it feels like we're 
point to the point now where um, some of the things that are legislated are not aligning 100% with our values and morals. And for us still living in this area and not like always wanting to go back to when we were legislating our morals and values, but still being shining beacons in the area that we are of what we think is right and what we think is just. And instead of trying to um, go back and have the legislation do the work for us, we now have to do that work ourselves in the area in which we live. Yeah. Yeah, and I would imagine that that's typically the way that life has always been, you know? Mm -hmm. Joseph had to live out what he thought was right in the midst of where he was. Daniel had to do it. Moses probably had to do it. Moses was a Hebrew living up in the living in the palace of Pharaoh while his brothers and sisters were slaves underneath him, you know? And he had to he eventually became a prophetic voice of God to Pharaoh in a less beneficial way than Joseph did. <laughs> no. What? You mean leading a revolt isn't a beneficial way for the prophet? <laughs> or for the Pharaoh? Well, by the time you get to Revelation, um, you know, John paints like, look, any kingdom built on slavery that is all about the um, the oppression of the least of these is a Babylon. And Babylons fall under false gods. And Jesus is coming to put all things right. Jesus is not seen as like the one in control of Rome the one in control of Babylon, the one in control of America. Because you could literally read Revelation and be like, huh, America matches a lot of this. I'm sorry, it's just is what it is. I don't think I don't think Revelation's talking about America. I think Revelation is talking about a form of empire that resurfaces over and over again at the oppression of others. That's Babylon, that's Rome, that's America. And that's plenty of other countries around the world too. And Jesus is not seen as the god behind that literally satan is <laughs> the dragon the beast lady babylon the false prophet like those are all the like fuel leading all of this nation to worship satan in some form you know to worship own to worship the sun god to worship baal to worship all these things that's always been the case throughout history but the christians who who don't belong in that world, but are in that world, become shining beacons of light, become the evangelist, become the blessing, you know, um, upon the world, and the invitation to leave the dragon behind and come follow, come follow God. So, we will be uncomfortable, even in America. We may even die, you know. I, we don't face that today, really, for the most part. I understand it happens in some more rare uh, atrocities. Um, but, like, that was all par for the course in Revelation. Of course we might die. We don't belong here. And people pick up on that. So, needless to say, all that. Joseph living in the land of Egypt certainly, for me, spirals a lot more thoughts as to our own context than I think it does for a lot of people. And we'll continue his story as we get ready to wrap up Genesis over the next uh, eight chapters here. So, in the meantime... 
Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below. And see if you can beat me for being the first comment. He always says it first. He doesn't even use exclamation marks anymore. He's that tired of being first. He just writes first. It's really sad. I know. Someone needs to beat me. <laughs>